Football After Dark. I'm alive. He's back from, uh, I, I don't know if you, have you been listening to the episodes and where we said you were? Yeah. Okay. So you're back from Tampa. Right. It was, it, it was nice there, you know? Um, <laughs> it was, it was nice there. It was nice there. There was electricity and everything. Uh-huh. There was, yeah. And I got back and I had no electricity. Yeah. It's weird that you could just show up, uh, back in Ohio and there's just, we just decided to not have electricity anymore. That was great. I, st- I technically still don't have electricity, but I'm just not in my own house right now. <laughs> See, what people don't understand is Justin's just not an innovator. Because I told him to just go into <laughs> his living room with some really fuzzy socks and just rub his feet on the carpet. And then plug everything in his house into the carpet. That way it would work. But there was no power, so he couldn't see where the carpet was. Clearly, Corey, the carpet will be on the floor. That's what you think. But what if there's something covering the carpet and I don't see it? What then? What? Something's wrong with your house. Something is wrong. <laughs> something is wrong in, with the way you live your life. Well, I, I wouldn't know if there was something wrong because I can't see. God, why did I show up for this episode? <laughs> oh, hello, everybody! Welcome to Football After Dark. Yep, that's that's professional sports broadcaster Nate Kuyper. That's me. And we're also being joined by professional toilet fixer Corey Clemens. That's me. I wouldn't say professional, though. I don't know if I can get sued for that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> someone, someone that's listening, look up and look up, uh, see if you can be sued for claiming that you are a professional Imp- toilet imp- fixer. Impersonating a plumber. Impersonating a plumber? I like that. That's way more, way more interesting. Let's so, see. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna type into Google impersonating a plumber. As you guys can tell, we are thoroughly prepared for this episode. Okay, it's only a crime if you actually practice it. <laughs> but he, he so totally he totally did though. We can say no, like for other people. Like if you say that you're a professional plumber. Oh, so only if I say I am. Right. So if you're just going into people's houses and fixing their plumbing, but then saying, oh, I'm not a professional plumber. Right. That's not well, a crime. Yeah, that's not a crime. If they know you're not a professional and you do their plumbing, that's not a crime. But if you tell them you're a professional and then you fuck up their plumbing or something and they figure out you're not a professional, they could, they could like, sue you. Oh, okay. Well, then Corey's in the clear then. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. So no, we're fine. You're, you're not going to get in trouble. So I got time for that technical college shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Justin has not been here uh, for a couple episodes. So, I mean, I guess we'll just start. Last, a- time, last time Justin was here, the Bears were still content. That's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now they are clearly not after. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Monday night game uh, from a couple days ago. But so, Justin, I mean, has there been anything you've wanted to say the last couple of days? You just haven't been able to. Is there something you wanted to like talk about? Well, um, I don't know. Just the Packers Jacks game was super scary, and I didn't like it. I mean, it it, you guys didn't even have to fly across the country to play bad. Normally, that's the case, right? And like, this is like. What I've been concerned about, where it just feels like the same team from last year. 
it's it is kind of the same team from last year, except <laughs> except more, more injured and uh, not very good at tackling. Well, they've always the Packers have been not good at tackling for like probably six, seven years now. All right, but so you know, do you know who was that's really not. do you know who was really good at tackling though? Yeah, go ahead, say it. Blake Martinez. Yeah, I know. Right, I missed. Yeah, <laughs> who's who's currently part of a of a top ten defense right now with the New York Giants. Right, I'm really pissed. Yeah, but you know, over and over in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, we don't uh, we don't sign defensive players unless their name is uh, Clay Matthews. So <laughs> Green Bay would be a really good flag football team. Oh, awesome flag football team! That's actually a really that's a good insight. I never thought about that. They would they would make a really good flag football team, but they're not a necessarily good real football team. <laughs> well, they're a good real football team. They're not a great real football team. It's the same as it's always going to be. They're going to go to the playoffs and lose in the NFC Championship game. You know, speaking of NFC playoffs, I wanted to come on here and make a somewhat bold proclamation, but now I'm afraid to because the, more I, the more I thought about it, the more, I don't know. Like, I was trying to think about what would be the most, like, I don't want to say unexpected, but the most typical but yet also not typical thing that could happen this year. Because one of the big reasons why the NFL, I think, is the best league in sports is because it's the stupid shit league. Like, stupid shit happens all the time. And stupid shit happens literally just for the sake of stupid shit happening. And I thought, what would be the most stupid thing that could happen this year? Like, as as we have progressed through the 2020 NFL season. And the answer that I came up with was whoever the NFC East sends to the playoffs, whoever that team may be, that team winning a playoff game. Like, all, because all year long, all we've been talking about is how awful these teams are and how awful this division is and how ridiculous it is that one of these teams is going to get a home playoff game. And the team that wins this division may only win six games, and it's just absolutely terrible. And I don't know anything that would symbolize what the NFL is than a team from that division hosting a playoff game and winning. How do, you guys, how do you guys feel about that? It's going to happen if the Eagles win their division and then the Saints have to go to the Eagles yeah. and play <laughs> in Philadelphia in the winter. Or, yeah. or if they have to go to New York. Same thing, yeah. Yeah, because it might be the Giants. It could be the Giants. It could be the Giants. I'll tell you the truth. I think they're the best team. I don't think they have the best quarterback. I don't know who the best quarterback is. But I think they may have the best overall team. Uh, I think just because Alex Smith is still getting his sea legs, Daniel Jones could be the best quarterback in the NFC East. And I think he is the best quarterback in the NFC. He's really becoming it. God, that is not the way I thought. Man, 
that that game. I know we talked about it already. That Eagles Giants game. God, the, the ineptitude on the side of the Eagles is shocking to me. They've been woefully inept ever since the Super Bowl run. Yeah, they've been. I mentioned it in the one episode that maybe it was maybe it wasn't Doug Peterson. Maybe it was Frank Reich. That's <laughs> probably Frank Reich. Yeah, and Frank Reich's right. been in Indy, and Indy's been overachieving given their horrible quarterback in like situations that they've been in. I don't know. We're gonna find out that uh, you have to skip a generation on Andy Reid coaches. <laughs> you have to you have to get an Andy Reid coach that then hires a coach, and the coach, the third coach that's hired. It actually gets all of the, like the Andy Reid, you know, magic, I guess. But what? Let's let's switch to this Monday night game. That there's really only a couple things to talk about in this game because it was you you went into that game expecting an NFC North game and you ended up getting an NFC East game. So that was fun. But a couple things stood out. The first thing is. Justin Jefferson is amazing. He's really good. The second thing is... Oh, I, I gotta... Hold on. Let me stand up. Hold on. I, I don't know if you guys want to stand up with me, but here. Hold on. Okay, I'm standing. Giving a standing ovation to Kirk Cousins for his first ever Monday Night Football win. There we go. That's what I was saying. It, it There would be no fans, so it wouldn't feel like a primetime game to him. Yeah, that's... And by the way, we're not joking. Kirk Cousins was 0-9 on Monday Night Football until that game. So the Matt Nagy, Nick Foles Bears were the team that uh, Kirk Cousins finally got over the hump. And then finally, I saw a tweet. I can't, I'm not going to be able to find it. But I saw a tweet that was sent out. I think I want to say it was after the game, like right after the game was over. And it was this guy who was posting all of these offensive statistics, like yards per play, points per game, yards per game, EPA per play, that type of thing. The Jets were dead last in every single statistic he shared, and the Bears were second to last. So the whole idea that this Bears team was ever, 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 ever going to be an actual contender in the NFC was probably a fallacy. But now there's a chance they may be going back to Trubisky, right? Because Nick Foles got hurt. I think. I think Nagy's... I, I don't know. Last I heard, Bray could be quarterback. Wait, who? The one that came in. Uh, Tyler, it was a Tyler Bray. Why? Uh, wait, are they just not going to Trubisky ever again? I I don't think so. That's not how it sounds. Oh my god! <laughs> Which like? Oh my god! I don't like. I don't. Bears had a return touchdown. That was their only touchdown. At Cordell Patterson. Was Cordell Patterson, hundred and four yard touchdown return. And then they had two scoring drives that ended in field goals. One was a 75-yard, you know, standard 
field goal. They got to the east 70-yard line because they started at the 25, they got it to the 5, they sold out at the 5, and they kicked the field goal. That was their opening drive, then, right? What? It was their opening so. drive, yeah. Yeah, it was It was their – I don't – I think it was their first or second drive. And then the other scoring drive they had was a gift wrap Khalil Mack pick that he took to the 45, and they only got 30 yards after that, and they were – kick to field goal. Those were the only yards that your offensive-minded guru head coach was able to muster to get a score. Tell you, man, again, it's it's that it's that first generation Andy Reid coaching tree, man. Doesn't work. Because Matt Nagy was a coach under Andy Reid, wasn't he? Yeah, he was uh, the offensive coordinator for the sing- one year after Peterson left. Oh, yeah, Doug Peterson. Yeah, he left. Doug Peterson took the Eagles job. Nagy took over. And then Nagy went to the Bears and now be enemies there. Yep. So, all right, well, then let's transition into this then. Given, given that track record, should teams be more hesitant to hire Eric B. Because maybe that's what teams are catching on to. They're like, wait, Peterson and Nagy aren't nearly as good as we thought they were. So maybe that's like maybe giving teams maybe some pause to hire Eric Bieniemy. Could be. I'm not sure. It's like, I don't want to like, I don't want to pigeonhole Bieniemy like that. No, I don't either. I I, I don't want a Super Bowl in Kansas City, albeit with probably one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, but still. And one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Right. And I, I'm, I don't know. I don't want to pigeonhole the enemy like that either. I'm, and I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying that maybe that is with how Nagy has kind of fizzled out and how Peterson really hasn't been the same since Frank Reich left, I think maybe that's giving teams some pause of like, okay, like how much of what is actually going on in Kansas City is from Eric Bieniemy Because we've seen Peterson there as an OC and they did well. And then they went to Nagy and they did well. And now they have Bieniemy and they are doing well. Plus they have Mahomes, which is the ultimate cheat code for any offensive coordinator. So I don't know. I, I, I didn't really think about that until you mentioned it, but now that I'm now that that's out there, I'm kind of like, huh, maybe, maybe that's what's giving some teams some pause on. I still think it is going to get hired, but we'll see. Um, I hope he does too. Yeah. So uh, speaking of quarterbacks and news, we did finally get confirmation. I think two days ago, that Drew Brees basically had his entire rib cage collapsed and all of his internal organs were punctured. Not really. I'm just it was it was a couple cracked ribs and I think he had a punctured lung. Yep. And he's going to be out for I I saw I saw some some reports that were like, "Oh, he's going to be gone for a couple weeks." And then Greg McElroy went on get up this morning and he was like, I had this injury. He's like, there is no way (laughs) 
that he comes back in a month. He's like, there's no way. He's like, I was gone for 30. I had one cracked rib and I was gone for 37 days. And I, I was not 100% when I came back. So it, I don't know, like, because cracked ribs are weird because you can play with them and there's people that can't play with them. Like that was the tie rod injury that he was playing through. But then he they gave him the uh, that topical medicine, but he breathed in at the wrong time. and The thing punctured his lung. Yeah, the needle. So it's weird. So, so what do you think? I mean, the real question we're asking here is how much is this going to affect the Saints? Like, is Jameis going to be able to just come in who Jameis is about as far from like just the antithesis of what Breeze is currently? You know what I mean? Right. Uh, So, how is this offense going to operate with Jameis as opposed to Breeze? Well, we've seen him in the second half of this game, and it wasn't terrible. Like, no, it wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't like eye popping, eye popping or anything. But he, we've seen him, you know, take the checkdowns and all that. This offense isn't built on, you know, a lot of deep shots down the field, which he was taking a lot of in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. That led to a lot of his picks. So it's it's based on a lot of you know screen passes to Kamara, uh, short passes to Michael Thomas. So if we can get that rolling, I think we're fine. If he if he hasn't go out there and play like he was playing in Tampa Bay, then we might have an issue. Well, I mean, you don't have the personnel that Tampa did. Right. So it's it's an entirely entirely different situation. Plus, I mean, your defense is playing better too. Mhm. So, yeah, since uh, uh, Marcus Davenport. Davenport came back in week five, we've went from 20th in quarterback pressures to first and 20 and quarterback pressures in that time. Right, that's Which all is, those all those first round picks that you traded away. Yeah, <laughs> wasn't it? It was multiple, multiple it first was, round picks, right? His, his nickname on Saints Twitter was two firsts. <laughs> like people wouldn't call him Marcus Davenport because he was considered a bust uh, because due to his injuries and low, you know, assimilation to the league. But uh, Saints Twitter's really starting to uh, appreciate him now. Well, I mean, if you if you can help generate that much pressure on a quarterback, I think that'll help. Yeah. Uh, what was some of the other you 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 shared it before we started recording? Um, lots of COVID stuff that's happened, and you are yeah. uh, the every all thirty two teams are in intensive uh, COVID protocols right now, which means uh, all the team meetings have to be online or virtual. Um, and if you're at the facility, you have to wear a mask at all time. 
then more news came out today that the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, put seven more people on the COVID list today. Uh, so they have 10 players on the COVID list right now, and they're all on defense. Damn. I actually mentioned this to, I was talking about it earlier. The Chiefs earlier in the week put three of their offensive linemen on the COVID list. And this is already, I wish Matt was here for this, because it's already, the Chiefs have already been operating without their two starting guards all year. And now their two starting tackles plus a backup offensive lineman are now on the COVID list. Now, obviously, they were put on there on Monday. And as we saw with Ben Roethlisberger, if you're put on the COVID list, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not going to not play. It just means that you have to self-isolate, make sure you're not with the team to make sure you're not positive. But there is a possible chance that we are going to see Pat Mahomes behind an entire backup offensive line from tackle to tackle, right? Against an entire backup Raiders defense. So who do you, who do you give the advantage to? Like, do you give the advantage to this se- entire, not just one player, it's an entire second string, maybe in one spot, a third string offensive line against a defense that may only have two normal starters on it. Like, who do you give the advantage to in that position? I think you have to give it to the team that, you know, has actually been performing at a high level over the past few years. Team with the better track record, which would obviously be the Chiefs. I, I okay, I actually thought you were going to say the Raiders. <laughs> as, like, as like a joke. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I have definitely had a better track record over the past few years. Oh yeah, they they certainly have. I mean, they beat the Chiefs, right? <laughs> so they did once. Yeah, they did a couple weeks ago. I I think this is going to be, and obviously we'll talk more about the game later in the week. But I'm holding off on any thoughts in this game until we see who's actually going to play and who's not going to play, because. While I think a lot of people are looking at the Chiefs-Raiders rematch as, you know, the Chiefs have a bye week, the Chiefs are, you know, pissed off, they want to avenge the one loss, and blah, blah, blah. If we end up in a position where most of these Raiders defenders come back and they're ready to play, and Pat Mahomes only has one normal starter on his offensive line, it's not going to matter if the Chiefs are angry about that first loss or not. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be some serious protection issues on this team. And, you know, we're gonna definitely going to have to wait and see what comes from that. But in good news, speaking of offensive lines, even though he hasn't been playing recently because he's been injured, Justin's boy. My man. Agent 69. Mm, nice. Getting his contract. Well deserved. Is it is it just me or does it feel like offensive linemen tend to get contracts when they're hurt? Is that weird? Am I just like imagining that? Is it just selection bias? 
maybe. I don't think that's necessarily the case. Just like, I don't know, offensive linemen get hurt a lot. Um, they do. Because but... you're slamming into people every single play, no matter what. Getting rolled up on all the time. Yeah, people fall on you all the time. It's much, much easier for a lineman to get hurt. And not to mention they're also bigger people. And bigger people tend to get hurt a little easier. Yeah. Bigger people tend to lose power in their houses more. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> what happened to me, man? Justin, did you did you see I'm my a big guy for you? <laughs> did and, you uh I lost Lost power. What were you saying? I was gonna say, did you did you see my long winded soliloquy about the research thing that I did today about offensive lines? I started reading it and I didn't finish it. Basically, I was curious as to whether or not the league has shifted from the tackles are the most important pass blockers to the interior linemen have become the most important pass blockers. And the reason I thought that is because with the movement of mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, whereas even if you go back like 15 years, there wasn't that many quarterbacks that were known for, you know, running around and, you know, extending plays and stuff like that. Like the ball was going to come out seven yards behind the center every play. So the best way to get to them was to have your edge rushers primarily coming off the left side get to that quarterback as fast as possible because you knew where the ball was going to go, right? But now yeah. with quarterbacks that are smaller, like Russ and Drew and Kyler and Baker Mayfield, and then mobile guys like Lamar and Josh Allen, and Aaron Rodgers, and those type of guys. Those guys can just avoid edge rushers by simply just stepping up in the pocket, right? Or just running. They just take off and run, right? So uh -huh. I feel like I just had this hypothesis that I was like, maybe like the league without realizing it is shifting towards this idea of like, if your guard, center guard are all really good pass blockers then I feel like that gives you big a, a more distinct advantage than just having a really good pass-blocking left tackle. And I went and found the... I went on PFF, and I found the top 10 pass-blocking offensive lines, and all I did was just look and see who are the highest-rated pass-blockers on that team. So what I found was, out of those top 10 teams, because outside of the top 10, like, we're not... You know, it, it gets money. We're just talking about the best O-lines in the league. Of the 10, four of them had an interior lineman as their highest rated pass blocker. Now, that seems like, okay, well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't necessarily support that idea. But then when you look at who the other six teams were, it was Green Bay with David Bottiari. It was <laughs> Houston with Laramie Tunsil. It was the Rams with Andrew Whitworth. I know Andrew Whitworth just got hurt, but he was uh, he was in there. It was Baltimore with Ronnie Stanley. Do you know what I mean? Like, those are four of the best tackles in the NFL. 
not every team has those guys. So obviously, like if they're on your team, then yeah, that's that's going to be your highest rated pass blocker. So then I just said, okay, well, what about like their top three pass blockers? Like, what percentage of interior linemen are present there? And I ended up finding out that like half of those, uh, half of those top ten teams had multiple interior linemen that rated out as some of their highest pass blockers. And when you listen to the teams that were mentioned, it was Cleveland with a smaller play action pass rollout Baker Mayfield. It was Kyler Murray. It was Lamar Jackson. It was Aaron Rodgers. It was um, uh, Houston with Deshaun Watson. It was, you know, not to say he's mobile, but they do the same thing with Baker. It was Jared Goff, right? These guys who are mobile enough to just kind of run away and roll off of pressure from the outside Mm -hmm. are all the quarterbacks that were playing behind these highly rated pass blocking O-lines. And the majority of them were anchored by interior linemen. So I was like, hmm. so I was like, huh? I'm like, that's pretty. Oh, and then there was Indianapolis, and we know that Philip Rivers isn't mobile, but um, he's got he's got Quentin Nelson, right? They they got Quentin Nelson, so it's it's a little bit different. And Ryan Kelly, who's who's really yeah. good. No one really talks about him, but so yeah, I don't know. I just thought, I mean, you're the offensive line guy, so I figured you would you would dig that. It's interesting. I don't know, like. Basically, it, it broke down like this. And I feel like it wouldn't even... It, I feel like this doesn't even... This makes so much sense when you say it out loud. Why would you not do it? But I looked up how much the high-end left tackles in the NFL are. Or just tackles in general. But most of them are north of like 85 to $90 million, right? Just one guy. But then if you go and you look at who are like the highest paid guards... And the highest paid centers, like the highest paid guard is Zach Martin at 88 million. But then the next guy down is like in the 60s. And then the next like five guys are in the 50s. Right. So you're talking about the majority of these top, the top, like the top paid guys in the league at that position are only making like $50 million. And then when you look at a center, a center's making like, 30 million like one of the some of the top centers right so i thought about it and i was like what would you rather have would you rather have one guy who's a really good pass blocker and he soaks up 90 million dollars of your cap or would you rather have three guys that are all elite at their position and you're investing 130 million do you want to need yeah, the only difference is it's kind of, like, difficult to find those guys. Oh, uh, no, I'm not saying it's easy to find. I'm just saying, like, if you have them. Yeah, well, the thing is, that situation never arises. And, like, like locking out an entire good offensive line is so hard. Yeah, Dallas did it for, Dallas so did it for one year. <laughs> yeah. Dallas had it for one season, and it was That's- Dak's rookie year. And mm-hmm. they went 13-3, and three and he won rookie of the year. Right. Especially when you're balancing things like injuries and like, and it's it's so hard to have that kind of offensive line. Um, but usually the way it works, if you can bundle up uh, at least a few good positions of the line, 
the ones that are most important for the quarterback that you have, um, depending on what they do, how they step up, everything like that. Like, for example, I think a, I think a place where your strategy would work is Arizona. Oh, yeah, for um, sure. Yeah. Cause, Fun, and funny enough, Arizona, their top two pass blockers are both guards. Right. Like, the two highest-rated offensive linemen on Arizona are their two starting guards. So it's it's not even that the idea would work. The idea is working in Arizona. Yeah. I, I like individually because it just works for Kyler and works for that offense. Right. But if you have a guy like Phillip Rivers, then it might make more sense to invest. Maybe that's what it is. It just depends on your quarterback, right? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah, it makes more sense if you have an immobile quarterback you need to invest in your tackles right because that ball he needs to step back and that ball needs to come out right but if you have a guy that can run around and avoid pressure from off the edge just through athleticism then yeah maybe maybe it is maybe i was onto something but i think the other thing you have to look at too is or when you mentioned it's so hard to get a very good like across the board offensive line is that teams are just going to be like, all right, well, you got a good tackle here. You got a good center here. You got a good guard left guard, but you're the weakest link out of all of those, even though they're all pretty good is well, your left guard. So we're just going to rotate our offense or defensive line to be attacking that left guard the entire game. And sooner or later, he's going to get tired out. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. who you are if you're getting these rested pass rushers going up against you every time you're gonna let some people buy you you know yeah and that's it, gonna bring down your grade yeah it's definitely that was the one other thing that i was i the kind of caveat that i put in it was interior linemen don't face the constant barrage of great edge rushers like tackles do you know like outside of like DeForest Buckner and um, Aaron Donald and Cam Hayward and, you know, like Vita Vea when he was healthy for Tampa, those type of guys. Outside of them, there aren't really these high-end, you know, pass-rushing interior linemen, right? So it kind of creates this selection bias of like, oh, of course these, these players are have you know great pass rushing grades but at the same time they're usually the ones responsible for picking up blitzing linebackers so and these guys are way faster than them way quicker than them so i think that it kind of balances out a little bit just because of that so i don't know i thought it was interesting so yeah definitely did anybody i think like if you had, if you end up finding a guy, like if if you if you draft a Quentin Nelson, if you draft a David Bakhtiari, you're probably just gonna pay him. <laughs> well, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, you just just pay him. If you have an elite offensive lineman, you're just gonna pay it, him. It's so hard to find him as it is. So if you land one, uh, fuck it, just pay him. <laughs> please, like, please tell me you saw the video that I tagged you in on Twitter of Quentin Nelson just like road grading people oh yeah i loved it 
it was, I think it was Brian Baldinger. Yeah. Shared, and he was getting so fired up. He was like, it's harvest season. Get these guys out of the way. Like he was he was getting so into just watching Quentin Nelson just like and it's so funny because if you look at Quentin Nelson's face he just he looks like he should work at like a Burger King. He's just got this like just this like I don't want to say like a blank look on his face. He just kind of looks like this like yeah. Like I don't know I don't know how to explain it. Like checked out. Yeah, he just looks all he always looks like so checked out. So I don't know. Not there. And then you listen to him play and he he yells as he tries to tackle people and block people and it's just the best thing ever. Oh man. Like how does a man flatten so many defenders? Because he's insane. He's a really good player. Dude, Notre Notre Dame puts out some <laughs> Really good offensive lineman. Like Notre Dame, Notre Dame has put out in the last couple of years. They put out, I think, it was Quentin Nelson, Stanley, McGlin- Ronnie Stanley was from there. McGlinchey, right? McGl- yeah, McGlinchey for San Fran was from there. I think Zach Martin went there. Let me look. I'm pretty sure Zach Martin went to Notre Dame as well. Um, let me check this. Zach Martin, football offensive guard. Um, let's see. Yeah, he went to Notre Dame too. So think about that for a second. So if you, if you just had offensive linemen in the league right now from Notre Dame, your left tackle would be Ronnie Stanley. Your guards would be Zach Martin and Quentin Nelson. And your right tackle would be Mike McGlinchey. That's, that's like... <laughs> that's nuts. That's that would be that's like, like a, that's literally an all pro line. Yeah, that's like a Pro Bowl offensive line, dude. Also, speaking of Pro Bowl, this is a little bit of news, a little bit of just fun stuff. Oh, um, oh boy, Jacksonville right now oh, is yeah. trying to screw Minnesota uh, draft stocks up because. There was a uh, an escalator clause in the Yannick Ngakwe trade that said they gave him a fifth-round pick. But if he was elected to the Pro Bowl, that fifth-round pick would turn into a fourth-round pick. And since this trade happened, Minnesota's traded Yannick again to... Baltimore, but they would still have to give that pick up if he still voted to the Pro Bowl. So go on and vote Yannick as a Pro Bowl player. So Minnesota gets screwed out of picks. I am very down to do this. Why are you trying to screw Minnesota out of draft picks? Because he's a Green Bay fan. Yeah, what you thought? What? No, but why? Why Corey trying to do it? Because I'm a New Orleans fan. Yeah, but what's the matter? <laughs> well, why are you trying to? They're not in your division. They, but they also ruined the Saints playoff hopes most times. No. Who now? now you're gonna take that out on Yannick and Gakway? 
I'm not going to take it out of Yannick. I'm taking it out of him. We're putting him to the Pro Bowl. He's yeah, but he doesn't. Gonna get a, he's probably going to get a bonus if he gets voted to the Pro Bowl. But he doesn't want to. He doesn't deserve to go to the Pro Bowl. He's not that good. Yeah, I mean, he's 10th in the AFC in sacks right now. Oh. He's only been in. He's only been on Baltimore for like two weeks. Okay. Okay. He's still tempting the AFC in sacks. Oh my god. That's actually pretty. I mean, it's pretty impressive. I'm assuming the the first eight players all play for uh, Pittsburgh. Probably. And and then Baltimore. <laughs> so the yeah, first eight players is uh, Pittsburgh players, and then ninth is Judon. And then 10th is Yannick. And then the next like four players are the other Baltimore players. That's that's what it feels like, at least this this season. It's basically Pittsburgh and Baltimore are the only good defenses in the AFC. And I guess Denver's a good defense. It's just their team is not great. I shouldn't even say their team. It's just it's really just Drew Locke. That's this. not great. I mean, yeah. We know Judy's good. <laughs> and we know Sutton, if, we know Sutton's good. Sutton's just hurt. Maybe if Sutton wasn't hurt all the time. Maybe. He's my guy, though. I like him. Anything else? Matt Nagy's bad. Oh, Matt Nagy is bad. Oh, yeah, Thursday game. Mm-hmm. The, the so big, the yeah, the big Seattle Arizona game, big deal. That's a very big deal. Winner will be in sole possession of first place unless the Rams win, and then the Rams would go to first place because of the heads-up win over Seattle. Uh, this was one of the craziest games of the year. Last time, it was it was the last second, uh, uh overtime game uh arizona of course coming off probably their i mean i don't think it's probably i think it's their biggest win of the year seattle now has just dropped two in a row and i don't know we shared it in our group chat if any of you guys care enough to listen to why the seattle defense is just absolutely terrible go and watch there's a YouTube channel. Uh, his name's Brett Coleman, and he does like film room stuff. And he did a video on the Seattle defense, and oh boy, like it's it's actually kind of shocking <laughs> how insanely bad this defense is, and why they're bad, and the mistakes that they're making. Um, but yeah, I mean, what are we expecting? Are we expecting? Russ to rebound and and get a win, or are we buying into the Cardinals as probably going to be the best team in this division? I I don't know. You have to expect that Russ isn't going to have three terrible games in a row. I don't think he's ever had three bad games in a row. I don't know, man. Like, it is it starting to get to that point where teams realize? First of all, the one thing I want to say about the Seattle game last week was 
oh my god, did Jalen Ramsey put on a show against DK Metcalf? Like that was the that he basically I, I think when he was shadowing him, he was only targeted four times. He caught two passes for like 30 yards or something like that. It was pretty insane. So I I, I feel like you're not going to be able to do that against DK two weeks in a row. I think I saw something that they're hoping that Chris Carson can come back because their running game has just been atrocious um, without him. So... I don't know, man. As much as Arizona is a fun story, and I, how, as much as I think that they are pretty much like, like Arizona is going to be a playoff team, I think at this point, I, I can't, I can't imagine a situation where Russ is going to be like what Corey said, play that badly three weeks in a row. But then again, if if they do, Arizona should be start. I don't know. Arizona should start getting talked about as one of the best teams in the conference. If they win this, if they win, oh, at least yeah, easily one of the best offenses. If if they win this game, they immediately get into that discussion of up there with the Saints and Tampa as two of the best teams in the conference. Like those three would probably be the top three at that point. I think. Because I can't put even if even though Green Bay beat the Saints, that ass kicking they took to Tampa, I ca- I can't put them in the same category as Tampa. So, but yeah, I think uh, I don't know. It's gonna be it's probably is this gonna is this the best Thursday night game we've had since uh since the whole year. <laughs> Probably. I mean, we had we had a what's it called? We had Buffalo and Kansas City, but that was like a crappy weather game, and neither Pat nor Josh really did anything. It was mostly the running game. I think this might be this might be on paper the best Thursday night game we see all year. So looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm Always look forward to good football. Hell yeah, brother. I'm I'm still upset that you can't find it in your heart to appreciate NFC East football. I or can appreciate or it, I can appreciate it more than Chicago Bears football. <laughs> Chicago you hate Chicago that bad? Yep. Oh man. You're you you're just not a Matt Nagy guy. I mean, it, it is pretty bad. So, all right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us. I think we're going to be back uh, probably Friday. I would imagine Friday. Yeah. We'll give you some predictions. We might do a uh, live draft games lineup on the show. Oh, uh, yeah. You, it you and Friday you, morning. Uh, it worked really good for the first half of the that slate of games. And then I think we both. Still ended up in money though. Uh, I got six dollars on a three dollar bet, and I think Matt got a couple bucks on a quarter bet. So it worked out. Hey man, if that if 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 it would have been three hundred dollars, it would have been you would have made six hundred. So that's a profit, right? 
So, so listen, we'll, uh, listen to the Fad Pod guys do a do a DFS lineup and and see and, how much money we can get you. Mostly Corey and Matt. It was Corey and Matt's idea. Yeah. So, but yeah. All right, Justin. Uh, you talk for the last couple seconds. Okay. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at F- at, at FADPOD. Uh, you have some money on Patreon. At patreon.com slash FADPOD. We have a Facebook page. Why are you still there? We're not. <laughs> uh, we're not sorry. there. We're never there. We're literally never there. Don't go there. I mean, you know why I mentioned it. But... We will be back on Friday to discuss the upcoming slate of Sunday games and talk about the Thursday game. I will have power by then. Amazing. So, but I do work on Friday. We'll figure that out later, though. By the way, it was nice to be back for a bit. Talk to you all under, you know, not the best circumstances, but glad I was able to make it. Congrats. Congrats on using the phone. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, I love you. And yeah. Say it. He loves you. <laughs> That's it. That's the end. <laughs> Fuck you, man.